Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Hello there, everybody. It's the B&E Podcast. We're doing our thing here once again. It is Wednesday. Working it out Wednesday. We don't call it that, but you know. I like it though. It's it's, uh, our topic day today, and you've read the title. Um, We actually don't quite know what the title is, but it's going to be about emotions. We're talking about emotions, emotional reality, maybe in the title. (laughs) Being in reality with emotions. Yes. And uh, this is very pertaining to, to us currently this moment in time. Uh, and Brandon, this was kind of your idea in terms of a topic. Hmm. Um, although I had an inkling that this was probably going to be something that we were going to end up getting into, uh, when I was on my way over here and, uh, yeah, I'll just let you, you take it from here. Let's what, what's this thing? Emotional reality. So yeah, emotional reality. Okay. Well here, long and the short of it is that, uh, um, uh, you know, I'd love everybody who's listening, um, to just think of it like this, your, the way that we've all been taught about how emotions work and what emotions are and what's actually going on inside of us is out of reality. It's not in reality of how it actually works. And the, the idea is that we have been taught that we are feeling one emotion at a time Mm. or maybe a combination of a couple, but that all the others aren't actually there. The reality is all the emotions are there all the time. There's actually no emotion that you aren't feeling at any single time in your life. So what I mean is, is that when you're happy and joyful, you could, you will also be hurting and you'll be scared and you'll be angry and you'll actually have access to all of those. It's just that you're not sensitive to them at the moment. And our mind is a very tricky thing because it kind of tries to convince us that we're not feeling things. And it tries to convince us that we're only feeling certain things. And the challenge is, is that because we're, we lack so much sensitivity to emotion, this is the big discovery that I've been having. Since we lack so much sensitivity to our emotions, we don't recognize that things are going on. Mm-hmm. Let me just give a quick example of how this would work. So I shared this on a last podcast, but I'm going to share it again. There is a time where I was feeling really, really unmotivated. And, uh, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine and, you know, he's kind of a bit of a personal coach type person. And, um, I said, you know, I'm really unmotivated right now. I just, I don't know how to get myself motivated. And he said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm watching TV. And and he's like, okay. And I'm like, but I really want, I like want to be doing my work. I want to be writing this script and like making this movie, but I just, I don't feel like it. Like, and I feel no motivation towards it. And he's like, well, you're really motivated right now. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, no, you're really motivated right now. I'm like, I'm telling you, honestly, I'm not. And he's like, yeah. 
He's like, you're motivated. You're motivated to sit on the couch and watch TV right now. That's what you're motivated to do. And it hit me all of a sudden. I went, I'm always motivated. I'm always motivated. It's just sometimes my motivation is not in the direction that I think it should be in or the way I want it. Mm -hmm. And so that really hit me. And so then recently what I've realized is that I'm always, and after this weekend, because it was so intense, I realized I'm always feeling a little hurt. I'm always feeling a little sad. I'm always feeling a little angry. It's always there. And what's really great about recognizing that one as an actor is that it's instantaneously accessible at any time. I never have to look for it. It's I'm never out of it. It's just always there. And all I really have to do is breathe and, and, and get sensitive to it and tap into it. And then boom, it's there. The other reason why it's so exciting is not just as an actor, as a human being, emotion and well, feeling, you need feeling to have emotion, right? You need to feel in your body, but emotion is energy in motion. And, um, you know, uh, science has basically proven that we are just energy. We are just a vibration of cells and whatnot put together. Um, but emotion is energy in motion. So you need emotion to be in motion. You, you need energy to be in motion and energy comes from feeling. And so what's really exciting about this is now, if you're always feeling stuff, you can always have energy and always be in motion and be able to move towards your goals. Yeah. And I have a really great analogy I'm going to get into a little bit later, but this is really exciting because I think sometimes we go, well, if I'm not feeling happy and joyful, I don't want to feel anything at all, but you got to understand that there are no bad feelings. And if you only allow certain feelings, you literally limit the spectrum of energy and motion you can have in your life. Cause sometimes it's going to be anger that motivates you. Sometimes it's going to be hurt that motivates you. You don't always need to just have one emotion. You can let anything guide you. Yeah. And this is cool because now you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's people who have been there where you're depressed or you're feeling down or you're feeling like doing nothing. You're probably not feeling and you're probably out of touch with your emotions. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the big discovery that I've been having. And it's, it's like literally my, it's like someone just took the blindfold off. I can see all of a sudden, I don't know how to explain it yeah. other than kind of just the way that I did right there. And we'll get into it more. But to me, this is so in line and in tune with the reality of what's going on inside of me. Yeah. It's, it's like life changing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, and, um, because we were both at this weekend and I'm just gonna, I, I, we're not being, um, paid by these people at all. Um, but, um, to actors or whatever you, you are out there, there's actually programs for this for everybody. But, um, uh, we had a guest on our show a while back, Henry J. Ma. And, uh, he had invited us to come and do this workshop that he, he co-runs, um, and it's called the performer's mastery. Uh, highly recommend it. They it's done like we're here in Vancouver. Um, and, uh, Henry runs it here with, um, with Linda Darlow, but there's like, it's done in New York. It's done in Los Angeles. I'm sure it's done in Toronto. Larry, Larry Gilman is, uh, someone who also runs it, I believe. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. did, he did the first one I did. Right. And, um, I think he still runs it, but yeah. Yeah. So like if you are, especially if you're like an actor or something, they seem to be like, that was who it was originally kind of created for. And then it was expanded upon for just kind of 
ordinary everyday people, uh, who want to do this kind of work, which is very heavily based in emotions, uh, and our emotional life and, um, shifting some perceptions around that. And it, it def- might've been the other way around. It actually might've been the mastery and then created for actors to like even go further. Okay. I might have to it, I, I double be, check on it. So just because by the way, I thought we, I, we might not be sure. Yeah. Cause I thought like, I remember reading something about, yeah, the masters created for, you know, people to get in touch with their emotions. And then the performer's mastery came out of it. But then I was talking to somebody else and they said, no, actually it was originally created for actors. And I, so I have no idea. Um, doesn't really matter Yeah, in the grand scheme of it all. Um, but anyhow, it's, um, I, I definitely had some of my, um, my own awarenesses come out of that. And you, you know, I would think that at least at the time I thought as an actor, Oh man, I should be pretty, pretty in touch with, um, you know, my emotional life. And to a degree. Absolutely. Like I think, um, through acting was a way in which I was able to, to find expression. Um, but personally realizing how actually emotionally cut off I was from a lot of stuff. And I think it's, I'm not such an un, for me, it's not such an uncommon thing. Um, it's a lot of people who run into this issue of not allowing certain emotions to be felt. Mm. Uh, and the thing is you can never really not allow your emotions to be felt. They will be felt, but it's what we, we do with them. And another big thing for me was, uh, that I'd like to bring up in this conversation is our judgment of emotions, Mm. right? Um, because, uh, we live very much in this, this world of, you know, you're supposed to feel happy. You know, you're supposed to, um, you know, be, be thankful and grateful and everything pleasant. And that's just not realistic. Uh, and we make being angry and sad and all these things, we make them wrong. Hmm. And so we end up, it ends up becoming something that is repressed and repressed and repressed. And I honestly believe that most of, I mean, I would say even like physical issues that people have, a lot of people would say, absolutely. I know there's lots of skeptics out there, but, um, definitely I think a lot of the mental health issues that most people face is completely emotion based. It's all, I think it's all like unexpressed emotion that, has gone is start to run amok Mm. in our lives. Well, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, our, our bodies are mostly water, right? Yeah. And for water to stay fresh, it needs to be running. It needs to be moving and emotion. When you express it is like moving water. It, 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 it purifies your being cause you are water, it, you know, um, uh, emotion is in your cells. It's, it, it, you can feel it in your body, right? So the thing is, is that we need to express it. Otherwise the emotion becomes toxic. It becomes, it sits in our body, becomes stagnant. And that's why we get depressed. Mm-hmm. That's why we get depression. We depress emotions and then you just store it and you bottle it. And it sits in this little 
fucking swamp inside of you and it just gets gross. Yeah. And then when it comes out, it comes out as this ugly mess. And so people go, oh, I don't ever want to see that again. But it's like, it came out as an ugly mess because you, you know, you bottled it, bottled it, bottled it. And you have to kind of like let out a little of the ugly mess first before you can kind of, you know, feel the purity of your emotions and they can kind of not be so kind of tainted with these stories and these hurts and whatever. Right. And like, by the way, if we didn't feel we would die, Mm. you would, you would break limbs, you would burn yourself. You would, you would do all sorts of terrible shit to yourself if you didn't feel because you wouldn't have a sensitivity to the physical world. Mm-hmm. So feeling is vital for life. So you could say that feeling is living. You could parallel the two together and yeah. living is feeling. So, um, first of all, we need to start feeling. If you want to start living, you start feeling. If you want to start dying, stop feeling. I mean, yeah. it's pretty simple. It, 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 now, if you want to take those feelings and actually do something with them that will help you and, and, and get you more of what you truly want, you need to use that energy and put it into motion. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you don't get the energy that you want. Sometimes you're going to get, uh, anger and that's your energy. And that's what you have. You don't get happiness right now in this moment. So you got to use anger and anger is not bad. That's the thing is we, we live in a society where it's like, Oh, anger, anger, scary. Anger's bad. Anger's trouble. It's like, no, anger is not none of those things. Anger is is an intense type of emotion. It's a certain type of feeling. It's a vibration. It's really just a vibration. Yeah. And when you express it can give you a lot of passion, can give you a lot of fire, can give you a lot of tenacity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those are great things to have. Don't kill that in yourself. You know, I, I, my dad used to talk about this when we were, when I was a kid, I never understood what he meant. And it's not a knock on woman. It's, it's actually, this is both what men and women need to embrace, but there's feminine energy and there's masculine energy and both are equally good. But when men and women become too feminine or they become too masculine, there's trouble. It's not good, you you know? And so a masculine expression is tenacity, is beast fucking like, you know, ah, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's a vibration. It's testosterone. It's, it's, it's this mad warrior spirit kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? And that needs to be expressed. Yeah. And if we suppress that too much, we, we kill off, we kill off our drive. We kill off our ability to face the harshness of the world, uh, harshness of the physical world, like, um, discomfort and coldness and, and abrasiveness and friction. Like the masculine energy, energy is designed where friction and cold and, um, obstacles do not stop you. Right. Yeah. But the, the feminine energy is designed in another way. It's designed for a certain kind of, um, collectedness, a certain type of softness, a a sense of, um, internal peace and harmony. Now, obviously you need peace and harmony, internal peace and harmony, but you also need the other side of, uh, friction and abrasiveness so you can face the physical world. Otherwise the physical world dominates you. And so both sexes and both everybody, we all need to find our feminine 
and say masculine energy. And they come from the whole spectrum of emotions. Yeah. So like right now, and I'm, this is the last thing I want to say just about this topic for the time being, women are allowed to cry. Men aren't feminine energy. Yeah. Men were allowed to get angry. Women were not. Women were called bitches. Now we live in a society where not even men are allowed to get angry. And now what's happening is they call it the feminized man because it's killing our allowance to be somewhat abrasive. Yeah. And I'm not saying that anger in all ways is, is the action is always good, but we need to be able to feel it because it's there. And so then you have all these men who are really angry and they suppress, suppress, and then they get depressed and then they, and they literally, and this is becoming an epidemic, they go and they commit suicide Yeah, because you, you can't, it becomes toxic. So I'm not saying like anger means like, and I think this is the thing we got to change our representation of what anger is. Anger doesn't mean you get in a fight. Anger simply yeah. means you feel a certain kind of tenacity of energy. It's, it's, uh, it's a certain type of fury, but it doesn't have to yeah. be acted on like in a violent way. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of sorts. It's just, yeah, it's, and we create more issues around these things by making them an issue. Right. I think that's the basic, and I think that's when something you take something like, uh, like anger, for example, and you suppress anger because a lot of people are, are very much afraid of their anger and things like, Oh, well, if I let this anger out, like somebody's, somebody's going to get hurt. Like I'm going to, and that's not necessarily the case. You know, there's, um, there's ways that we can creatively express our, our emotions. Right. And at the very least being able to admit them for myself mm. or for my <laughs> admit them for ourselves. I am speaking very much about myself here. Um, and this is my perspective on it. And, and just in terms of, uh, not, not being making it okay to, to feel angry, feeling that, um, this is something that nobody wants to see that it's something, it's very strange. It's kind of a strange thing now that I'm like wrapping my head around this, this thing, because I go, well, what am I actually, what, what am I actually concerned about here Hmm. with feeling certain emotions? What am I actually even concerned about? I don't, I don't even know. I can't even think of a rational explanation for it because it just seems so, so silly. And it's not about wallowing or just going around with a chip on your shoulder. I think that kind of stuff starts to, to happen more because of, of repression. Uh, and I think that it can even go in the opposite direction too. People repress their joy people repress, you know, their, their love and joyful feelings too. I think you, if know? you repress one, you kind of repress both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, uh, or like, all. I, like <laughs> I've had, I've had experiences where, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really great about something. I'm having a good time somewhere. And then my mind will just throw me into place. Just like, it's like, yeah, but you know, blah, 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 blah. Like he'll just kind of come and shit all over it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my own, my own action. So it's, 
not being able to, to fully experience the emotions that are going on within us, like it, they end up becoming, uh, they end up becoming these weird, I don't know, these weird ticks, these weird sort of, um, I think in extreme cases, it becomes like, uh, like psychosis of, of sorts. Sure. Yeah. And it'll come out, you'll see it come out. Like people will hit themselves. Like they don't know they're doing it. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll hit their leg while they're talking or they'll disconnect eye contact or, you know, they'll, they'll do all sorts of weird things when, when they suppress emotion. Um, you know, I've, I've seen myself do it as well. Um, but like, if I can kind of, uh, share, like, you know, I went through a, I went through a little period of depression. I've talked about this before and I went through a depression because, um, whatever, a few events happened in my life that I made a pretty big deal about. And, um, emotionally I started to just take all that feeling. And I was like, I don't want to feel this. This is like, I don't know what to do with this. So I started just, you know, pushing it down, bottle it up, you know, and I was also around certain people who weren't allowing me to just be as I was. They, mm-hmm. they weren't okay with it. They weren't okay with me being sad. They weren't okay with me being angry. Um, which was part of the reason why I was trying to be appropriate, you know, yeah. for them. So I was trying to keep everything on an even keel, but I was not joyful. I couldn't be joyful because I took all my emotions of hurt and sadness and anger and fear. And I just took all that and I just bottled that. So joy goes with it, you know, inside out. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, it's kind of like that movie. Um, they added disgust in there. I guess that's in there too, whatever. But you know, you bottle all that up. And so, um, I depress, repress, and it becomes this just kind of like, um, stagnant, toxic, uh, sense of feeling and feeling becomes like you feel a bad feeling, you bottle it up and you go, you never want to feel it again. Anytime it ever comes up, you just kind of keep, you create, I created management strategies, and I, I say you because everybody kind of creates management strategies from what I yeah. understand, but I created management strategies. And so then I just go, okay, well, I'm just going to manage situations. So these types of feelings don't come up. Yeah. So I developed, <laughs> I developed social anxiety after what happened. And yeah. so then I started going, okay, well, I just won't go out in public as much, or I won't go to parties or I won't go to these parties, you know? And so then I created a pretty good little system for a bit that worked. It seemed to work at least and temporarily, temporarily. And I didn't have to kind of feel, but in a weird way I could feel less. Well, not in a weird way, but I guess in an obvious way, I could feel less and less joy, less and less happiness, less and less exhilaration and excitement for life. Um, and so then eventually you just get to the point where I'm just so numb and so small. And so like, you know, like apathetic in a sense that I'm just like, what's the point of life? I might as well fucking jump off a bridge. Cause in a weird way, I'm trying not to feel anything, but you're always feeling anyway. So yeah. it starts, to, you start to just feel it all yeah. because after a while it starts to seep out on its own because yeah. you can't bottle anymore up. Yeah. It starts to, <laughs> it starts to, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you think of, of this, this stuff, like it's like a, you get some kind of like a, a gash or something on, on your, your leg or something, you know, and you put like, and, and it's bad, you know, like it's deep. 
Yeah. It, cut it needs to be you. looked at. It needs to be looked at, but yeah. you're like, oh no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You know, yeah. I'll just like, you know, I'll just what, rinse it off and like throw a <laughs> bandaid on it. You know, you throw a little bandaid on it. And it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just swallow some ibuprofen, you know, take some, <laughs> take some drugs and mean like, and you just let this thing go. And meanwhile, like it's getting infected. Yeah. It's not healing because no one's re- you, you haven't actually looked at it. It's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting worse and worse and worse. And next thing you know, you know, you've got, to, now you've got to amputate yeah. <laughs> something. I don't know what, you know, yeah. metaphor you would actually bring it, but you know, it's, it's very much a, the same kind of a thing where it's like, you know, we, we take these, these, um, these wounds, these, uh, these hurts, these, um, these things that happen to us. And because we look at them as not desirable, because this is another part of the equation is like, cause I even question, it's like, well, should we even look at feeling anger and sorrow and pain as, like taking like a horrible physical injury. It's a great at, point at all. Um, but just for the sake of this sort of argument, can but, I stop you for one second? Yeah. I don't think we should, but I think we've been taught to experience it like a wound. Yes. I don't think it actually is a wound, but we've been taught to look at those feelings like a wound. And so when they come back up, society's told us don't feel that, but it's become infected and now we have to. Yeah. And now we're like, Oh, I can't cover it up anymore, but I, I'm trying to, meet society where it's told me to be, be happy. Like the fucking commercials and shit. Yeah. And it's like, no, you know, and then you're, and then you have to play an act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you raised such a good point. Should we even call it that? Yeah. Should we even call it that? And, and yeah, I mean, I would say if you, you go deeper down like the rabbit hole, you kind of have to like enter into that conversation. But for this, this stage of it though, like you, you have to look at it as, you know, if you, if you don't have a look at this thing, right. These, because we, I think maybe that's why I brought it up is because we do treat it as a wound. Yeah. Right. Or at least they've be, they've become wounds to us. Right. And because it's, we see it as this thing, we don't want to look at it. Perhaps that's getting a little bit more into the territory we need to go, but we don't want to look at it. We don't want to acknowledge it. Um, wish that it wasn't there, Hmm. that type of thing, uh, or just, yeah, just ignore it. And it just, it becomes, it becomes worse. Well, maybe like, I don't know, maybe a wound isn't the most horrible analogy simply because, you know, you take a big gash on the leg. You didn't intend on that necessarily to happen, right? Just as though we don't really intend on making ourselves angry. We don't intend on making ourselves sad. I don't think that's ever really our intention. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We naturally gravitate towards experiences that are positive to us in, in a light. But this is the interesting thing you bring up positive. I agree with you. We do look for positive experiences, but maybe we think that happiness and joy is the only positive experience you can have or excitement. Mm. Here's a really funny thing I realized since the weekend as well. And this has been something that I suppose I understood intellectually before, but it really landed with me is that excitement and fear are the same feeling. And so 
you will go, well, they seem different. And you go, well, what is the difference? The difference is in the mind because, um, fear is one thing. It's like, fear is like worry. It's concern. It's, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I think that I'm going to get hurt. I'm, I'm seeing trouble in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, excitement is I see an adventure. I see fun. I see, you know, and, but we made a story about the same feeling. Like, so here's the funny thing is if you're not willing to feel your fear, you'll never experience excitement because they go together. So you have yeah. to take both. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's one of like the, the, the two, the two that are really interesting are, um, um, joy and happiness, which are, which are, I, I pair together and, uh, um, excitement and fear because, um, excitement is something that is okay to feel yet. It's the same feeling as fear because it's excitement is I'm going into the unknown, but I believe I have faith that something great will happen. Fear is I'm going into the unknown, but I have faith and belief that something shitty will happen. Yeah. So really the, the issue is not the feeling. The issue is the belief, which is another topic I want to talk about because beliefs inform the way we experience our emotions as well. Right. And so then joy, I've had experiences where, um, you know, I've been happy. I've been content playing video games. I'm super comfortable, you know, just really enjoying playing video games, happy, fun. You know, I've even had my girlfriend at the time cheering on as I played the video game (laughs) and it was great. It was fun. I was like, what a wonderful experience. I've also had a joy, um, what they call passion, joy, pain, where you are in pain, but you feel this tremendous amount of joy doing it. Like for example, rock climbing and hanging on barely by a couple fingers and, and your forearms and your arms are just burning off and you feel like you're going to let go and it hurts like fucking hell or, or something like that. Yeah. But you love it because it's so fucking exciting, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's the funny thing about it is like, we, we look at sometimes happiness and joy as like some kind of comfort thing only. Like I've been at the beach at Hawaii sitting there looking at the waves relaxed and that's nice. But sometimes surfing and going down the front of a wave face, especially for the first time is, and looking at the coral reef underneath you is the scariest thing in the world, but it's so joyful and fun too. So I think that we, we have a misunderstanding about emotion because we, we try to intellectual, intellectualize it yeah. to a point where we can't even comprehend that it's a, simply a feeling yeah. that we don't realize that we direct. Yeah. It's our you know? relationship to it. Yeah. Our, attach, our attachments to yeah. them as opposed to the emotions themselves, because yeah, it's usually our ideas around our emotions that cause the problems as opposed to the emotions themselves. Right you know, the emotions themselves, emotions are absolutely fleeting. I mean, the perfect example is you look at like at kids, you look at children, you know, who don't have a lot of stuff built around this, you know, they're just like, they like, it just emotions just flow through them. Right. Like, it's just like extreme, like excitement and happiness to like, Oh, I'm just going to cry. And it's like, okay, I'm done now. And off they go. Right. Like, it's just, that's how it, how it kind of moves, right? Like, and it's, and it's, there's no real sense of, uh, of memory Mm. about, about a lot of it, right? Like it's, 
the same thing with like a dog or something, you know, like dogs, like you can watch their emotions go through and it's just like, they just seem to forget like yeah. anything, anything that happens. It's like now things are great. Oh no. Okay. Now things are like, Oh, I'm feeling like a little, you know, ashamed of something that I just did, but it just, it moves through. I think that, um, yeah, time has an interesting play on our emotions as well, or at least our, our sense of, of time, especially, I won't even say especially the past. They, they both, both past and future can play havoc sort of with how we deal with our emotions. Hmm. Um, you know, our past brings up lots of feelings of anger, resentment, shame, guilt, those types of things. Fear is typically something for the future. Yeah. But same thing with excitement, right? That would like excitement is about the future. Well, um, yeah. Looking into the future has a lot to do with our emotions. Looking into the past has a lot to do with our emotions. Yeah. And, um, uh, they, it's, it's relevant and irrelevant at the same time. It's a paradox because the mind is this certain force that we have, you know, and I, I want to kind of share this analogy because I, I don't know if you agree, tell me if you agree or not, but in our society today, it's totally okay to use your mind. It's, it's totally okay to think things out. Oh yeah. You know, thinking is encouraged. You know, if you can think it out, work it out with your mind, you know, be really heady. Most people are like, Oh yeah, that's all good. You know, yeah. the person's thinking, you know, but it's like, feeling is not so okay. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, you can feel, but you can only feel these things. And if you don't feel you should go to your room or you should go away or you should work that shit out. Yeah. It's like, so we have kind of thinking is okay, but feeling is okay only to a certain point. Right. Mm -hmm. Action has always been kind of a thing that has been in question because it affects all of us. But, um, you know, how you think about it and how you feel about it seems to be kind of like an interesting relationship. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I have this analogy that I've been working out in my mind and I've shared this with a couple people. So I'm just gonna share it on the podcast. Yeah, I think yeah. it's good. Um, so imagine this is an analogy. So just imagine that you're a ship in the middle of the water. Okay. And there's winds and there's currents. And if you do nothing but idle, the winds and the currents will take you where they'll take you. And unless you're anchored in, unless you like in that, you know, you will simply just float and you will end up where the currents and the tides and the winds take you. That's what will happen. So you'll end up where you end up. And that's just what happens. So that's someone who's idling through life. They'll end up where they end up. And, um, there's nothing wrong with that. It simply is what it is, but you know, the consequences that you, if you end up in a place you don't like, well, you idled into a place you don't like. Mm. Um, so if you want to think of it this way, if you are the ship, your feelings are your fuel. So to the degree that you can feel is to do just to how much fuel you have in your body. So if you have more feeling, you have more fuel. It's pretty easy. F and F, right? Yeah. Um, the next thing is emotion. So you need fuel for emotion. Emotion is like the gas pedal or the engine. It's what drives the ship. It's what actually propels the motor. It's what makes it move by its own, uh, its own accord, you know? 
So emotion is energy in motion. It is you yeah. putting energy in motion to, to do something. So if you don't have an engine, if you don't have emotion, if you don't have a gas pedal or a propeller or whatever, a force to drive it with, um, you can get nowhere on your own. You just simply don't have the power or ability to do so. Mm-hmm. It can be full of feeling, but if you don't allow emotion to be energy in motion, if you don't express, you cannot get anywhere. Okay. So then further, the mind is like the steering wheel or the rudder. It can direct you, but if you don't have emotion and you don't have feeling, it's like turning a steering wheel. You're not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You're just going to sit there turning the steering wheel going and you're not getting anywhere. Cause you, you have really no direction. The, yeah. the theoretically you could say, well, if the winds are pushing you, maybe you can get a little control, but if you're not self-motivating and self-propelling yourself, it doesn't matter how much you think thinking will do jack for you ultimately without emotion and without fuel Yeah. because emotion can't run without feeling. So you see the parallel. Then there's the final thing, which is the roadmap is the, is the, is the, is the course you're charting, uh, the, the navigation system, the compass, Mm -hmm. and that is belief and faith. If you do not have belief and faith, if you do not be and live as though something will be a certain way, you will not know where to direct yourself with your mind. So what I've ultimately come to is that we need to be full of feeling. So we're full of fuel. We need to learn how to have, um, emotion, however it may come. It is our energy source. We don't always get the same energy source the same way, but we need to use our emotion, whatever emotion it is, because that's the power to move the steering wheel mind is only good for directing you. It can turn you to the left. It can turn you to the right, but that's all it can do. And then if you don't have belief or faith, you won't know where to turn your mind to. So that's why you must have belief and faith. And so belief and faith requires you go into the unknown. It means, it means you require as you're going to go into uncharted waters. There is maybe a roadmap in your mind you have, but no one will give it to you. And so you must simply decide in your mind to believe and have faith in something that is in the unknown that you, that you want to take your ship towards and go find out if it is true or not. And you won't know until you get there if it does exist or not. It's like you're, you're, you're leaving one continent and traveling to another and you might fall off the end of the earth. You don't really know, but I think we've lived enough now where we know if you just have belief and faith that you're probably going to end up somewhere really special. Mm-hmm. It might not be what you thought it would be, but you, you're best to have belief and faith. Now, here's the other thing about belief and faith. When we think of belief and faith, we often think of it in the good things. We think like, I have, I have faith in this dream. I have belief in this. Well, belief and faith can work exactly the opposite. If you believe that you will lead your, to your own destruction, if you believe and have faith that the world is out to get you, that you will be destroyed, you will you will lead yourself right into that because you believe you be and live as though that is so. And so if you be and live, you, your, your navigation system will find that for you. Mm -hmm. So we, in some ways I've heard it said that you need to start with belief and faith. And then once you have belief and faith, then go back to feeling. And then I, I think you go from feeling to energy and motion, emotion 
to thinking and then thinking gets you back to your belief and faith. So it starts at the end. You, you, you start back at the beginning and then you work your way through the middle Mm. and you must own the middle. And I think that a lot of this workshop really kind of brought to me is like, we want to keep skipping the middle part. We want to keep skipping the emotion part. Mm. And we want to, we only want to feel a certain way. This doesn't work that way. Yeah. And, And we try to focus on thinking. Thinking will not get you to belief and faith. Thinking will destroy belief and faith in my experience. No, I mean, thinking typically, um, leads you in, in circles. Yeah. Like it can't, um, it can't really, and this might seem kind of strange to people, but cause I'm not, I'm not opposed to thinking. I think that thinking and logic are extraordinary tools that we use. Yeah. Um, but there's, I mean, I've had experiences of limitations to, to my thinking Mm. where it's just like, you just kind of, you're just kind of going in a circle. Like there's no, like you're, it, you get, you can get stuck you can get in, in a loop and thing. Yeah. You get caught in a loop and, and there's just, there's, there's no real movement anymore. You realize that you're just like, okay, well, this is just a kind of a pointless circle here that we're going to go in. It's like, um, you know, I, I love watching a lot of the, um, uh, those, uh, crash course videos on YouTube and they've got crash course philosophy. And I find it so fascinating in <laughs> what, in some respects, because, they, they bring up certain philosophies through time and it's like, okay, so here's the argument, right? And like, and here's the, the thing being proposed and you listen to it and you're like, oh, okay, well that, that, that kind of makes a lot of, a lot of sense, you know, like there's, there's something to that, but there is almost always somebody who at some point presented a counter argument to it and said, yes, but what about this? What about this situation? And how, like, how do you explain it according to that? And you go, Oh shit. (laughs) Like there's no, like it doesn't answer anything, Hmm. right? It's fascinating. Like you, you put your, your mind on it and it's, it's really intriguing and it's stimulating, but there's ultimately no answer to it. Like there's, and some of these concepts and theories that I've watched on this thing and like these philosophical theories, they're still arguing about it today. And like they were presented like hundreds, thousands of years ago and people are still going, I don't know. Like there's no, it's, there's no, there's no resolution to it. Yeah. So to me, this is kind of what the mind does when you get too caught up in this thing that you're talking about in terms of this the logical intellectual arguments all the time. Hmm. Like it's, you kind of get caught in, in these weird things and you don't really know what to do with them. And again, as fascinating and as intriguing, I'm not opposed to philosophy or, or the use of the logical mind. Again, it's a wonderful tool, but ultimately like you're saying like emotion drives so much of what we do. Feeling drives so much of what we do. And I think that feeling actually drives us to new discovery more than anything. Well, here's an interesting thing. You bring up philosophy and I studied a lot of philosophy when I was younger and I'm a big fan of philosophy. 
And there's a side of philosophy, which you're talking about, which can end in the endless loop of unanswerable questions. And the whole point of that type of philosophy, which people miss the point on, in my opinion, is they think there is a point to get to. It's not designed for that. When you ask big questions of the universe, what those questions are designed to do are to get you to think outside of the box in realms of possibilities that are outside of your norm. That's all it's there. It's not to come to an answer. And when people come and they try to have arguments and try to be right, you're entirely missing the point of that type of philosophy. Yeah. The other side of philosophy is critical thinking about making um, arguments that actually stand and have something to stand on and are backed up. And then there's another part of analogy, which is to understand what is very complicated and difficult to understand otherwise. So an analogy is, is actually philosophy. The, mm-hmm. the whole thing that I just brought up, the analogy of you're a boat in the water, yeah. that's philosophy. Yeah. That's what the most powerful, the two most powerful tools. No, those are the three most powerful tools you can take from philosophy is one is to learn how to critically think so that you question and make sure that arguments are actually backed up by something and mm-hmm. you don't just take things as they are because yeah. there's a fallacy and I, I don't need to get into it, but there's basically bullshit in people's arguments and you need to be able to identify what's bullshit so that you don't just take what you hear as though it's true. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, yes, it's good to have philosophy so you can think outside of your little box because we all are in little boxes. I am in certain ways, but philosophy can help me kind of expand my mind outside of my little, my little world. I think I know. And then the most important though, is I think the analogy and I, and you, you, you called me out on it very early on, but I always use the analogy. Actually, my dad used to use the analogy when I was a kid, he would take really complex things and he would explain them in such a simple way. I remember, I remember a day we were sitting at a cafe, just him and I, and I was just a little kid and he took a salt pepper shaker and a, and a, and a, a salt and a pepper shaker and some other thing on the table. And he explained some really complex stuff to me. Yeah. And I just remember going, you made that so easy to understand. I, I was just blown away. And ever since then I thought, and, and then I heard uh, Tony Robbins say that once he said, explain astrophysics to me like bread. Cause he said, give it to me in the analogy of bread or right. something. And, and once you start creating an analogy, you can understand anything. And I think that's the thing about philosophy that a lot of people miss that point is like, it's simply making a parallel to something else we do understand to something we don't understand. Yeah. And then you make it simple and you can comprehend it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think there's this, and that takes thought that, you know, and so you're you're raising a great point. I I feel like when I was saying like, oh, thought is like just turning the steering wheel. I mean, if you're in motion, thought is amazing. It's so good. Yeah. But if you're not in motion, if you're at a standstill, thought will will, could destroy you in your stagnant place and you're floating, you know, I think sometimes it's good to go with the flow. Sometimes it's good to just uh, take the pedal off the emotion for a moment, you know, just let yourself be a little, you know, yeah. it's just cause sometimes then we're forcing emotion. But I think if you're always like laissez faire, always just, Oh, I just go with the flow. It just, whatever happens. It's yeah. like, well, fuck, you're going to end up where you end up and don't complain when you get there. Yeah. Cause that's what you, you, you are at the whim of the world. Yeah. But I think sometimes you need to let go of control. And you know, I I've talked about this on another podcast. So I just want to bring it up really quickly. Being caught in a current, like I think sometimes the world or the universe or God, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Everybody, human nature is on a certain current 
and you're in that current and it doesn't matter how powerful your emotion is. It doesn't matter how much energy you, you exude or have you, you will not be able to overpower that current. That current is taking you. You're in a river right now Mm -hmm. and you are going with it. So you can embrace that and, 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 and deal with it as it actually is, or you can try and fight it and exhaust yourself. And I think sometimes we're in a current that's so powerful and we're trying to not be in that current and you're just in that current. But that's another thing we have to accept. There's a certain part of control where it's not, we're, we're out in this ocean, but we're not in an ocean. That's just like a flat lake that has nothing. It's not placid. Yeah. It has waves. It has currents. It has winds. And sometimes when you want to go somewhere, you have to deal with the forces of nature that don't necessarily allow you to go that way that easily. And so just because you can have energy in motion to, to drive yourself doesn't mean you can get everywhere you want to go. And that's an important thing I want to put in there because, um, we, we have a lot of power, but there is a force of our nature. There's a force of our humanity that we don't get to stop you know, and it's, it just is part of the game we have to play. We are in, you are literally kind of in the middle of the ocean dealing with it as it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're going to have experiences in your life. I mean, and we've all probably been there. Most of us where people start dying, uh, bad shit starts happening and you're caught in a storm. You don't get to decide you're not in a storm. Yeah. You don't get to decide that you simply are in a storm. You must accept you are in a storm. Yeah. And you're going to have all sorts of emotions while you're in the storm. Good. Those emotions are going to help you get out of this storm alive. But if we suppress all those emotions and we just sit in the storm and we're like, I fucking hate I'm in a storm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like, that's not good for you. You know? Yeah. You're just like, we've all seen that, seen those movies when shit gets tough and there's the yeah. person who's just like, mm. <laughs> I wish it's in they a, get thrown off the yeah, boat. They get thrown off the boat rather <laughs> horrifically. And everyone yeah. goes, Yeah. <laughs> And a shark eats them you too. Bastard. You bastard. <laughs> you just complained the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. So. That's good. I also, I wanted to bring one thing up. Um, you use the expression laissez faire. And I think that's awesome. Hmm. <laughs> I like that. Huh? Yeah. Nice. Do a lot of beat like, cause that's actually like a Canadian thing. Oh, is it? I thought it was a French thing. Well, I mean, it French is Canadian. It's a French like Canadian thing. It was, I can't remember from what I remember learning about this in, in history, but it was actually like a little like tagline for at, at one point in time for like the people in charge and power. It's just like laissez faire. Right. <laughs> Anyhow. No, that's good. Well, and if anyone doesn't it. understand what laissez faire means, it's, it's, it's just simply like, let it be you know, it's let things be as they are. And that, you know, it's funny because we're talking about this whole thing. And and I really, as I take this analogy further, I want to say that sometimes it's okay to simply be an idol and let it be. And I said that as I preemptively said this whole comment, you don't always have to have emotion driving you and, and making you like be some force, you know, you can, you can allow yourself to be in a current, you know, sometimes it's good to just put the sails up and let the winds of nature, let the current of nature take you where you want to go. Because sometimes life is easy. Like sometimes you don't have to use so much emotion to get what you want. I've been there. You know, I've had moments where it's like, 
I don't know what it is, but I found myself in a current or a place where it's just like the winds are in my direction. The current is in my direction. The, 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 the seas are, are, are clear and free and calm. And I don't even have to try. It's like yeah. my engine of energy couldn't push me as fast as nature is pushing me. Mm-hmm. But also I've been in the moment where I've had a lot of resistance and I felt entitled to having that energy force behind me. And sometimes it won't be. So laissez-faire and let it be is kind of good when the world is, is directing you where you already have belief and faith you want to go, let it be. But when, when you feel maybe that you need to make a stand, maybe when you feel that you're, you know, you're, you're going or heading somewhere you don't think you want to be directed. And this comes down to belief and faith. Maybe you got to put on the engines a little bit. Maybe you got to hold your ground and maybe you're not going to get anywhere other than hold your ground while the winds and the current forces against you. And it's not about getting anywhere. It's simply about not getting pushed into the storm that things are pushing you towards. Yeah. And then when, when, when the tides and winds settle as they always will, because everything passes, you will be again in a calm place and then you'll be able to go where you want to go. Yeah. But also sometimes in life, you're going to be in a standstill. You're not going to feel like you're getting anywhere. You're just going to be in a spot. You'll feel like you're stuck and maybe stuck is okay. Why, why the hell in our society does being stuck such a bad thing? Maybe that's okay. Like maybe it's all okay, you know, but really it's, it's, it comes down to our inner honesty of like, well, where do I truly want to go? And not just being a victim to like, Oh, well I ended up here. Oh, I dated this person and they were bad to me. It's like you directed yourself there. You didn't direct yourself out of it. So deal with your own choices. No one made you go there. You know, you, you, you know, we're born into certain families. We're born in a certain current. You're born into that. We're all born into that. Everybody's born into that. Don't look at someone else and go, Oh, you were born in a better current than me. No, that's bullshit. Where you were born was exactly where you needed to be. I want to give another quick little analogy because this has really helped me in my process too. Imagine that all of us are just avatars right now. Here's another great philosophical analogy. This one's a little, a little bit more complicated, but imagine we're all just avatars right now. We're actually a video game and you are actually have like a VR headset on and a full body suit that gives you tingly feelings and stuff. And you're actually like maybe even an alien species, or maybe you're a human just in the future, but you're playing this character right now and you get to live a whole life. And it only happens in minutes in the person's life who is over in the virtual reality machine. But for you, you experience it as a whole life. So you chose in your VR experience to live this life. Whoever you are in this other life, you chose to live this one. So you actually chose to be born into the family you were born into to learn how to overcome the things that you would have to overcome to see if you could handle it. It's all just you trying to find out more of yourself in a virtual game. And when this is done, and when you die, you're going to wake up from your virtual reality thing and the game's over and you're going to go, Whoa, what an experience. Let's do it again. And you're going to try a new character of all the ones you can choose. And if you think about it like that, you can start to go like, what if I did choose my life? And as fucked up as it may seem, because <laughs> some, some of us feel our lives are pretty fucked up or as great as it may seem, you chose to be that life because there's something you wanted to get out of it. Yeah. 
But if you looked at life that way, you might start to go and stop being a victim of it. And you start to go, well, why don't I get the most out of this experience while I'm here? As opposed to being like, Oh, I chose this experience or, or the spirits chose me. Like maybe you chose it. And we don't know. That's the thing is like, you can have all the beliefs you want about religion and spirituality or not. But if you try on the idea, that's why philosophy is so great because philosophy allows you to try on a new way of looking at your life. And I'm not saying that that's how things are. I'm just saying, try it on. Yeah. And if it works for you, play with it a little bit because what's the alternative? You walk around depressed your whole life and you die. Do you really want that for yourself? Maybe you do. And if you do fine, do it. Great. I don't judge you, but if you don't want that and you know, you don't want that, then let's try a new game here. Let's try playing this game a little differently. Cause whatever you're doing, if you're like, I was walking around for a a year or two ago thinking, fuck man, I don't even know why I'm alive. And I thought, I don't want to walk around like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's ultimately like, no matter what, like all of like the, the, the concepts and the trying on of like, well, what if it's this? And what if it's that? I mean, it's ultimately, it, it doesn't really matter, right? Like it still comes down to, uh, to the fact that that we are here having this experience of life and to bring this back into emotions. It's like all of these emotions that we, in a sense, ostracize ourselves from of anger and sorrow and pain and all of these things, these are legitimate human experiences. We can't pretend that they're not. They are. They Mm -hmm. simply are. There's no avoiding it. We have these emotions, right? And we need to change our relationship to these emotions. I mean, what do we not like about these emotions is that is, I think the thing that we don't like is sometimes is the way that they are expressed. We don't like it when people get angry and start, you know, fucking other people up, like just start punching or shooting or whatever, like really screwing up people's ability to live their lives. Mm -hmm. Right. But these emotions don't need to screw up anybody else's or yours, your own ability to live. And in fact, they can actually, I think, provide us with a richer experience of living. Well, you know, it's interesting too. I mean, we've created, um, we've created just about every outlet you could, you could really, uh, you could really need, you know, um, for, for, for experiencing any type of emotion. I mean, we've created theme parks that are the most extreme. We've, you know, you can jump out of the sky if you want, you can fly in a squirrel suit down the side of a cliff. If you really want to risk your life that much, you can, you can bungee jump, you can do all this. You can, um, do sport fighting. So you can actually go toe to toe with people and physically fight. You can go shoot guns. You, you know, you basically, you can, you can play video games. You can scare the shit out of yourself. There's all sorts of things that have been set up to basically give us what we want. And if there isn't, we have the capacity and ability to set that up for ourselves if we really want to have that. Yeah. And just so we can have that experience. So we've designed, and now with video games, I mean, it's even going further. I mean, we can pretty soon, we're going to be able to design any type of experience we want to have. We, you know, you won't even have to leave your house if you don't want to, to have every experience you want. So why do we do that? Uh, maybe because we don't allow ourselves to experience life in its simplicity as it is. Maybe Mm -hmm. we need a video game right now to experience stuff because 
we are too scared to experience it in the physical realm and in in our Mm -hmm. own little world. And so like, uh, you know, um, I think the tools that we're creating to allow ourselves to experience are good, but they show us that all our experiences are actually quite good. It's what we do with them that matters. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's simply about looking like looking like, I think with like something like anger, for example, like anger is the one that I think people often go, well, I don't want people to get angry like people, but anger is not, is not bad. And if we stopped treating it like it was bad, we wouldn't have the acting out with anger like we do. In my opinion. Mm. I mean, mostly I've heard it said that anger is somebody wanting to be heard or seen. And so that's why they get louder yeah. and that's why they become, you know, uh, and that anger actually comes from hurt, right? Like that. I've heard that one too. Anger is a super, it's kind of a superficial emotion and it's a cover of fear. Yeah. Comes from hurt and it's a cover of fear. So, um, so yes. So just look at the person and go, okay, well they're hurting. And I, I had a friend once say to me, he was so angry and I, I was kind of scared to talk to him and I learned this exercise to basically just meet people on report wherever they're at. So if their tone is super angry, just meet them tonally at anger and then they'll feel heard and you'll, you know, and you'll really, and really try to hear them. Don't just like mock it, but like really, but like, so the person goes like, I'm really fucking angry. And you go, yeah, man, you sound like you're really angry. And you like match their tone and they go, yeah, I really am. You're like, yeah, man, what are you angry about? And like, they, they feel like you're getting them. Right. Yeah. And so we did this, I did this with him. And it fucking, he's just like, I just, he's like, man, I just feel like you're not making time for me. I feel really like, like left out. And it kind of just came down to all this hurt and sadness. I'm like, dude, man, I fucking love you. Like, like, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I had no idea. And he's like, he's like, man, he's like, thanks for hearing me. I was like, yeah. And anger was just his way of like, he didn't feel he could be heard by me if he brought it to me probably in a more sensitive way, but that's probably kind of a guy thing too. Like he can't just come to his guy friend. I mean, he could to me, but maybe he didn't know that, but he couldn't just come to his friend and say like, Hey, I really feel like you haven't, like we haven't been spending time together. And I, you know, he didn't want to cut like for whatever reason, you know, I think it's maybe just being a guy, like you're taught not to be sensitive about certain things, but it was profound. We had a profound talk and, and, and I really got the idea that like, and that's why I came in that way. Cause I really realized that he's angry. I don't necessarily know why, but like, if I make that, okay, if I make anger, okay, yeah. we'll get to the bottom of this. And we really did. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard you say over the weekend that, um, you know, what, what, how I try to remember how you had said it, but, um, you were talking about emotions and that, um, an emotion is never wrong Hmm. in the sense of, or that wasn't quite it. I'm just trying to remember what is, but like whenever somebody, you were saying something like whenever somebody's experiencing an emotion, like, yeah, I guess it was along the lines of like, it's never wrong. Right. Like, it's just like the emotion is happening. Like you can't, you can't say that, Oh, it's like, it's not happening or you have no right to be or this or that. Like, the emotion is happening. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know. It's, it, I thought it was, it was an interesting point. I, I feel like I'm not putting it the way that you had put it for, for whatever reason, it was like this thing. I was like, Oh, that's, it's, that's really interesting. 
I don't, I don't necessarily recall when that happened, but yeah, I, I, I agree with the comment. And I actually, it was funny because you, <laughs> you probably don't remember this, but you actually said to me, um, a week, two weeks ago, it was literally two weeks ago. Cause it was after the last podcast on, on Wednesday. Um, no, two podcasts ago, Wednesdays, whatever. But, um, uh, you said to me, cause I was, tr- I was struggling with something. I was just kind of feeling a lot and you were like, whatever you're feeling is all right. It's all good. Yeah. And that, um, was a good reminder for me because I was like, yeah, it is like, whatever I'm feeling is not, you know, is, is totally all right. And, and, um, then I got that literally that message two days, but from two different people, um, one on Thursday and then one on the Friday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, exact same message just said a little bit differently. And one of the people of the three said, yeah, that's you experiencing you. You don't need to run away from that. That feeling, that emotion, that's you. Mm. That's you experiencing yourself. So don't try to hide or block that away. And then the third person said something about like, um, uh, well, we were kind of talking about how, you know, there's a, like energy and motion, like emotion is like, it's kind of like a, like a vibration, like you're sending out a vibration. Have you ever been in a room where someone's really seethingly angry or they're really upset or there's something's going on and you can kind of sense it and feel it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's energy is literally, it's, it's coming off of their body. It's, it's, and they've proven this scientifically that we are sending like an energy force outside of us, you know, when we're, and, and, um, and we're very, we're actually, if we were more perceptive, we would be more sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing is like the reason why we need to begin to start to look at all emotion as good and okay and, and fine as whatever it is, is because we are sensitive to other people's emotions, not just our own. So we need to be okay with other people feeling, not just us feeling. Yeah. That's the next step. Like one step is I'm okay if I feel, and then be okay with everyone else feeling too. Yeah. I mean, that's, and so many people have talked about that sort of thing where it's just like, you know, if you, uh, I had a mentor who says like, who, who'd always say, it's like, you want to change the world, change yourself, <laughs> you know, like first right. things first, right? Yeah. Like until you've kind of like navigated some of this shit yeah. going on within you, like how can you really help other people to right. a large degree until you've, you've addressed some of your own things. And I think, you know, a lot of this comes, comes down to judgment. Hmm. Still comes down to like, you brought that up earlier. That's what we should get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get into that beer, what do you think about this? Let's judge the shit out of this beer. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I love this beer. I I have no idea what it is. I never looked at it. Um, but I'm really enjoying this one. It's like tasty. It's easy going down. It seems like, let me just kind of, I think it's an ale. it has a little bit of almost like a wheat beer kind of thing going on. Um, tastes like it's got like some kind of honey or something in it. Um, it's very, um, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, it's like a good timing for this beer because it's kind of like a, almost like a, a winter. It has a winter element to it, but it has like a spring element to it. And I don't even know quite where it sits on the, on the spectrum, but I feel like it's kind of cool because I'm, I'm, it's kind of like a nice transition from winter to spring. Yeah. I, I, it's weird how that, how, how it kind of has that feel. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Well, that's, 
everything that you've said is is pretty extraordinary. Really? Not because it's entirely accurate, but it still makes complete sense. Okay. <laughs> so this is from, we've never had this one on the show before. This is from uh, Bridge Brewing Company. Okay, where are they? They are on uh, the North Shore in oh. Vancouver. Nice. Um, I believe they're right at like the Lonsdale Key, if I'm not mistaken. Their address is on Charlotte Road in North Vancouver, BC. Um, and this is their bourbon blood orange wheat ale. Oh, wow. Hey, that's a pretty good guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. The bourbon is the winner. The orange is the spring. Yeah. And they combine that. And that's probably why I got that feel. Yeah. And they even say on their thing, it's like, this beer is ideal for any day. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you feel. Cause yeah, it's got, it's like, yeah, it'll on a, it would, it's good for like a a hot day because it's kind of, um, it has that citrus wheat element to it. So it'll go down on a hot day on a cold day. It's got that. Yeah. It's got that bourbon hit in there as well. And even the choice of like sort of blood orange in there. I like the blood orange still gives it, uh, something that's kind of nice in colder weather as well. So this is, um, and the caramel, it's got a little caramel in it. And that, that's yeah. one of the nice touches of it. I think that's what gives it that winter feel a little because the caramel is always kind of that nice yeah. sweetness, but yeah, it's really but good. Ice cold. Perfect for a hot, for a warm day as well. I, yeah, this is one of those beers where, um, I really like it, but this is one of those beers. Like, honestly, I, I, I do feel like you could bring it on any day and I'd probably be happy with it. Yeah. It's, it's quite extraordinary. I think this is, um, this is a really good beer. They've really outdone themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to, uh, bring some more of their stuff onto the show because this is the first that we've ever had of theirs. So absolutely. You know what I find interesting is like, we've done so many of these podcasts now and my, my actual taste for beer has become quite acute because I remember when we started, I had like, like I was like an infant like with, with it all. I mean, I had beer before yeah. I mean, I had some craft, but I hadn't really developed quite a taste for it. But now like the fact that I could kind of make certain guesses like that to me was kind of like, wow, that's cool. I'm learning something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting better at this, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's through experience through experience. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, getting back into it. So judgment, um, Hmm about judging our emotions, judging our experiences. And well, let's look at that. I mean, like and um, judging other people too. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about this judgment thing. I mean, one of the things in the workshop and I don't want to ruin it for people. And I, I, I mean, you gave your recommendation. I highly, highly recommend this workshop. I mean, if you were an actor, I would say I've done it twice now. It's a must do it. It's on the bucket list. It get it done as immediately as possible. Like, especially if you want to have deep, profound acting and you want to be able to access your whole emotional realm, if you're blocked emotionally, or if you just want to be able to access your emotions more readily and not feel like it's such a big deal to do. Yeah. Do this workshop, the performer's master. Yeah. And if you want contact us on the website or whatever on, uh, the B and word 
bandepodcast.com, the bandepodcast.com. Just contact us. We'll help you out to get in, involved in it. They're not helping. They're not paying for us or anything like that. I just highly support it. Yeah. So I've done it twice and it's been monumental for my life. Um, this time in a way in which both times in a really profound way, but this way in a really, really exciting way. Mm-hmm. But, um, they talked a bit about, um, expectation and, and, uh, standards. Yeah. And I, I never heard it the first time, but it was kind of counterintuitive, but it was like, lower your standards, lower your expectations, which sounds kind of backwards, but it makes perfect sense because it's not that you won't achieve your high standards and high expectations ultimately, but initially if they're too high, they're impossible and you'll always lose. Yeah. And I think with crush yourself under the weight of your own expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think like judgments too, like judgments are an interesting thing because here's, here's my question. I just want to throw it out there. Yeah. How do we know our judgments are our own? Mm. Right. They came from our parents. They came from our, our families, our, our, the other kids we hung out with in school, you know, people we worked with. How do we know they're our own? And then, then that begs the next question is why do we live as though they are our own? And are they, and, and thirdly, if we're doing that, are they helping us? Really? Yeah. Like, are they really helping you? Because here's the other thing about judgment. And we've talked a lot about projection, how we project ourselves on everything. If you're judging, you're, you're, you're judging yourself. So if your judgments are really ugly and harsh and you don't like, like they're, they're like mean, Mm -hmm. just think about what you're doing to yourself. So judgments are a real debilitator. They kind of handicap you in life. Yeah. So we gotta, we gotta almost get, we gotta almost have no judgment and then maybe then we can start to build up our judgment. I want to just say one quick thing about this as a philosophy teacher. Mm -hmm. He brought up a point that was really, really good one day. He said, and I really respect this guy, but he said, judgments are good in the sense that they keep us safe. They keep us mindful about navigating the world. So he brought up the point of a judgment is good when, for example, you go, I could take a a shortcut through this city alleyway. And then you're like, or I could walk around the block and you look down the alleyway and it's dark and it's dank and it's, it's a little scary. And you go, you know what? That might be dangerous. You judge it. And then you walk around the block and you take the long way and you're safe. But if you cut through it, maybe you get hurt. And so that judgment kept you safe in that respect. So Mm -hmm. like, I'd say in a certain judgment like that, like, you know, when, when I say no judgments, like some guy pulls up in a van and he's like, Hey, come on. Like, you know, take this drink. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do it. Like, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, maybe like lighten up a little on your judgments of people and who they might be. Like, don't start doing actions that like, you know, uh, go against certain common sense. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard line to navigate, but like, I mean, not no judgment. Yeah, no, there's, (laughs) to me, there's a distinction between that because like to me, yeah, I, I see that as like some of those examples. I'm like, well, that's kind of common sense. Although as my dad always used to say, there's nothing common about sense. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's like use, use like, a, cause they're kind of, to me, they're like different kinds of judgment. Right. Right. Like it's a judgment of like, 
oh, that seems like unsafe. Yes. Like for my own like personal like health and existence, unless I'm looking to maybe like bite the dust a little early, maybe not the best choice to make. Right. right. As opposed to judgment of like what other people do, (laughs) you know, and, or how other people appear, those kinds of judgments, you know, Mm -hmm. that are, that are subjective types of things. Right. Right. Like they're not really based on anything other than a bunch of bullshit really Mm -hmm. from our own experience of life, you know, like situations that are not like potentially life threatening, right? But judgments of just, yeah, like the stuff that basically doesn't affect like your ability to live, like quite literally your ability to live or for somebody else's ability to live. Yeah. I think when it, I think you raise a really good point when it comes down to, you know, health and safety and life, there are certain judgments that you probably have that are probably, you know, based on a certain amount of experience and they're good judgments, like, and also experience even, um, vicariously through other people where you recognize that something could be dangerous or could harm your life or your health indefinitely. And that's something where keep those judgments. I'm talking about where we want to almost have no judgments is on interpersonal on who we assume someone is, whether they're lower class than us, higher class than us, uh, who we are in relation and you know, all that shit. Yeah. Like I'm talking more about the interpersonal judgments yeah. and I think you are too. And yeah. I think that's important because I think we need to, we need to almost, cause when I remember when I was a kid, I remember, um, just being open to really anything like any friend, any, whatever. Um, I experienced someone early in my life who was quite racist. Um, and, they were kind of close to the family. And I remember for the first time kind of thinking, Oh, like maybe there's, um, maybe this is so. And I'm almost embarrassed to admit that I tried on racism for a little bit and (laughs) no, seriously, I, I, I literally tried it on and and I'm kind of glad that I did because I realized how stupid it was. <laughs> but, I, but like, I really like, I remember there was a, a, a short little period where, cause I respected this person where I was like, um, well, I don't know, but you know, you're a little kid. So you try on an idea of an adult. And I just think like, uh, in a way I, I was, I'm glad I was able to drop that judgment certain judgments they had about certain racists and stuff. Even, you know, I think about this person, they even had certain, I, I could share a really fucked up story that happened, but I remember when I heard this story, I remember something inside of me going, no, that's wrong. That's bad. Yeah. That's not good. That I, I, I don't like that. Here's, here's what happened. This person was a cop and, um, a black person had gone through a light. It was green. Yeah. And they pulled, they pulled them over even though it was green and gave them a ticket as though it was a red light. And the person who told me about this person doing this, I know both these people, but the person who told me about the person doing this, they, they kind of bragged about it. And I thought that's disgusting. 
Yeah. I fucking hate that. Cause I had been bullied in school before and I knew what it was like to be torn down by someone with power or someone, whatever. And yeah. I thought that is sick. And I, any, any type of preconception I had about race and about the differentiation immediately was squashed in that moment Yeah, where I realized my judgments about this were bullshit. Even things like, um, you know, it sounds so silly, but like stereotypical things like, and everybody laughs and jokes about this, but like, Oh, Asian drivers are are not as good. You know what I mean? It's like, even that I'm like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? That came from kids at school and shit like that. And I thought, what is, that's not my judgment. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I I think that's bullshit, but yet we can carry these judgments. We don't even know we're carrying them. And I, but I remember when I was a kid, I never had any of those thoughts until I interacted with an adult or a peer who had those thoughts and kind of tried to enroll me in their idea of their judgments. Here's another thing. Let me just quickly share this. I went to college and, um, I started hanging out with these group of girls, you know, good looking girls. And we used to sit in the, in the lobby. And I remember, um, there was a period of time and they, and I remember sitting with them and I just kind of wanted to hang out with them because I, you know, I, I was attracted to them and I wanted to kind of be accepted. But I remember them sitting in the lobby and kind of picking apart people who are walking through the lobby. And I remember being like, I, I don't like it. And I remember one day mm. I, I, I think I said something to them. I was just like, I was something like, you know, like, I don't remember what I said, but I stood up about it, you know, but I just remember going like, I don't, I don't want to be around this group if we're going to sit around and judge people. But I, I think that there's this, there's judgments in society. There's this, there's this passive aggressive kind of subtle bullying that can occur. And we might not even realize we're doing it. And I don't think you need to be necessarily embarrassed if you catch yourself doing it and be like, Oh shit, I'm a bad person. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop yourself and be like, no, you know? Um, but I think that fortunately I was studying a lot of philosophy in my, you know, when I started university and philosophy really helped me. It's funny you brought that up. It really helped me to break my paradigms of judgment Mm -hmm. because obviously judgment was a talk. That's why we talked about it with this philosophy teacher. Yeah. But, um, he, he really raised the point that judgment's good in a certain respect. In another respect, it actually just limits you and holds you back. And it, yeah. it hurts you as much as you might think it's hurting the other person, if not more. Yeah. And, you know, um, and, and, and I think that, you know, there's certain things about, um, we just, we're not allowed to even talk about Um, it's like, if someone says, well, I was, I wouldn't say I was racist. I would just say that, like, I mean, I personally would say that it was like, as a kid, there were certain, say more like stereotypes that I was like, I mean, it is kind of racist in a way, but it's like more like stereotypes, like, oh, Asian drivers are not good or something. Right. Which, um, isn't as, it's actually kind of harmful. It's, it's not as harmless as it sounds, but it's kind of like, you know, where I grew up in Coquitlam, that was a common thing that people would say. Mm. It was like a common societal thing. Yeah. It was not, it was not uncommon where, where people would kind of insult Asian drivers and such. And, um, so he's a little kid, you, you, you see that and, and you go, Oh, well that's normal. It isn't until you start thinking more consciously that you can go and question certain things that maybe like, um, adults or peers had maybe said 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And you start to go, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like if yeah. someone's like, it's like filtering, if someone's looking for something, they'll point out every time it happens. And it's like, Hey, you've been driving like an idiot, by the way, <laughs> you know, yeah. like maybe you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like, right. I mean, so these judgments, they're, they're, they're blinding, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think there, there's really no, no real evidence to it. And and there's so much that is so subjective. You know, you need to take a bigger picture, look at some of the, re- like the actual realities. Cause they are, they can be judgments are massive blinders. That's why people for centuries have been talking about like, don't judge, you know, like, like you have, you have no, no fricking clue. Right. Like, and it's, and also judgments like in, in, my discoveries and things that I've been learning and in my own experiences, the more that I judge other people, the more I judge myself. Right. Right. It's, it's a vicious circle. Yeah. Um, and, gonna, and you throw more daggers back at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. More than you ever throw at them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a uh, story from a, not too long ago, I have, um, you know, I have a friend of mine who every now and then just like, comes out with something like super racist and they've had some, some, you know, bizarre experiences, you know, um, with some other ethnicities. Um, and they're, they're basically coloring their like point of view based on these few experiences. Right. But, um, I was having dinner with this person and they made a statement that, um, basically they said like, like, well, I think that white people are the best. That's what they said. Like, yeah. Just like a general statement of like, well, I think that white people are the best. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like I was like, holy shit. And, and I said, well, what, like, like what makes you, what makes you say that? Right. Like let's, let's hear an elaboration on that. And they said, it's like, it's like, well, you look through history, like you look at like the biggest advancements in technology and, you know, in, in civilization and this and that, you know, like, like white people are the best. Right. And, and I said, okay, well, perhaps historically and logically we can look at something like, okay, so Caucasian cultures have, um, have made like some, like the, the largest scientific, Advanced, although I, I will mention that the scientific method was, um, was created in the Persian empire. I digress. Um, but basically it's like, I, I thought like, okay, well perhaps that is that it's true that like Caucasian cultures have made like the biggest leaps in terms of technology within the physical world and, and that sort of contribution. And I presented to them, I said, I think, however, morally, ethically, and spiritually, Caucasian people are the weakest in the grand scheme. And he actually was able to admit to that. He said, he said, yeah, you know, you're, (laughs) you're right. Like it's, and, and to a large degree. And it's so, but that shows like a judgment on his part of where he was placing his value, like value right? It's like, well, this is the, like, much like we were talking about, we, how we give value to like, 
into like our intellectual sides, our, our logic based sides, um, to, to make decisions Mm. and we completely disregard the emotional side to ourselves and at our expense. Right. And, and I was bringing up a point to this friend of mine that is like, so like we've created like, so you want to say like white people have done all of these things, which is, I mean, and it doesn't even have anything to do with race, especially at this stage in the game anymore. It's just like innovations are coming out all over the world from all different people. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with culture, I think. Well, yeah. Culture and opportunity. That is, that's all it has to do with to me. It's like, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. You put a person in a certain position in a certain culture and certain like people will start churning out iPhones or some shit. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't matter. Right. Um, but the thing was, is that the point that I followed up with this person, I said, so I'm like, you make this argument. I said, and perhaps even if you are right about this, even if you are, which I don't even think is the case. Um, even if you are right, then you also have to look at the flip side of it. I said, cause to me, when I look at Caucasian culture, it is so unhealthy hmm. to a large degree because there are certain elements that have been so neglected. I said, despite all of this wonderful technology in the society that we've apparently created, statistics show that people are actually more unhappy than they've ever, than they've ever been. So what's so great about this culture? What is so great about all of these things that have been created by these people you profess are the best? Hmm. What's interesting. I mean, uh, it's interesting thing because Caucasian, the word Caucasian, it's funny you brought that up. (laughs) It's not, it's actually, um, synonymous with, I think the Persian empire anyway, like it's, it's not Mm. even, it's not even white. I mean, yeah, the Persian empire was huge. Like it was so like, like, uh, you know, um, there's actually an interesting talk right now floating around on, uh, YouTube and on Facebook and all this stuff, but it talks about Caucasian and how basically Caucasian was just turned legally in the court systems to mean white in the legal systems. Hmm um, to basically enforce a certain type of racism. So even the word Caucasian is not even mean white. It was like le- legally, cause basically, uh, uh, long and the short of it was, um, an East Indian man basically argued and made an argument for Caucasian and where it actually came from. And then so mm. the, the courts in America said, well, no, from now on Caucasian means white because they wouldn't let him have American citizenship back in like 1920s or something like that. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I know. So, um, Caucasian judgments, you have no idea where they come from. Yeah. These (laughs) words we're using, we don't even know what they mean. And yet, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. You know, I think, um, when we parallel, parallel, parallel this back to emotion, 
it's the same thing. It's like a racism against emotions. It's like, Oh, well, you know, happiness is the best emotion and anger is bad. And, you know, anger is the terrorist, (laughs) you know, and, and and fear is no good. And, and sadness is no, no, don't let sadness, we don't want sadness in in our country. No, build a wall. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind of like, I mean, uh, you end up literally killing off happiness by trying to judge all the other emotions. It's, it's really funny how it all kind of parallels in certain ways, but like judgments don't, when it comes to the social dynamic, when it comes to people, they don't really help us, you know, they don't, they don't help us like we think, and they're not our own, you know? And so we kind of need to let them go just like we need to let go of our judgments on emotion because we have an epidemic right now in our, in our first world culture, we have a massive amount of depression. And if you don't know about it, go do some research. You'll find out pretty quick. And if you've been feeling depressed, I'll tell you something, you're far from alone. You'll actually find out that, uh, most people. And in fact, I actually am beginning to believe that everyone has to go through a certain depression Mm -hmm. simply so they can get in touch with their humanity. Or if they don't, um, transcend through it, they end up going down the other path of sociopath Mm -hmm. of a dark path of a destructive path. And they just give into it and they start to try to make it feel better by destruction, which is actually quite common in our culture now too. They, they, you know, in a certain way, um, we have a certain culture where we are, they call the sociopath, a social phenomenon. It's a social phenomenon where we've actually designed the sociopath. Like oh, our, our culture percent has created percent. Oh yeah. And the reason why, and here's my theory uh, in this, um, you know, I'm, I, I've been realizing this more and more is that the reason why sociopathy exists to such a high degree in our culture right now, they say one in 25 people are sociopathic one in 25, at least mm. maybe even one in 20 and one in four show pretty high tendencies to sociopathy. One in mm. four, one in five are basically classified conduct disorder, basically like sociopath. They might not have uh, conduct disorder, but they are basically at the point of like destructive, no empathy, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's apparently a statistic. So, um, sociopathy exists because we've judged emotions because an empath feels the emotions. They empathically get that other people are sad and hurt and they feel the hurt. They feel the anger. They feel it all. Mm-hmm. But because we live in a society that says, no, anger is wrong. Sadness is bad. You know, don't be hurt. Grow up, get grow a pair. You know, it just says, you know, you can be happy, be like the commercials. An empath has a difficult time navigating a world where basically you have to be happy all the time because they're feeling all this shit. So they Mm. learn to suppress it to match more of the sociopathic culture that we're creating. If we want to get away from sociopathy, we actually have to accept all feelings as okay. Because if we live in a world where all feelings were okay, empaths would flourish. Yeah. Right now we live in a world where only one, one emotion is okay, which is happiness and joy. And that's why sociopaths are in all the positions of power, because they're the ones that can, can basically turn on charisma and use it because they don't care. A sociopath doesn't care about how they hurt someone else. Mm -hmm. Whereas most other people do. That's why most people can't understand how a sociopath works. Most people can't because we still live in a world, which is arguably more empathic than sociopathic. Yeah. 
but empaths, they're like, how the, how the hell is everyone okay with this? Like, yeah. you know, and why are we letting this happen? And in a weird way, we've been taught, and this is where uh, high functioning sociopaths work. They, they, they are good at manipulating emotions to get what they want. So they're good at manipulating charisma yeah. and we're taught you're supposed to have charisma. So if someone has charisma, we don't back check them and look at how they are with people. We just go, Oh, they're charismatic. They're confident. Yeah. I, I like that. I want to be more of that, but we don't realize that they don't give a shit about you or anybody else. And they're willing to do just about anything to get what they want Yeah, because they've literally destroyed their humanity to get to that point. Um, and then, and, you know, and there's a, you know, there's this sliding spectrum of sociopathy where, um, they say that like you're, you have sociopathic tendencies, which they say right now in society, most of us have sociopathic tendencies. Uh, most of us do. Um, and then there's people who have literally kind of gone down the road of sociopath to like they did. So uh, from, from what I understand, from what, from what I've learned from the research and I'm not an expert, so, you know, but apparently it's around the time you're six or seven, five, six, seven area, um, very early on in your age, um, where you begin to suppress deeply your emotions and you never get to the point of developing empathy because empathy, Mm. we're not born with empathy, but empathy is a transitional stage of work living in the social world. Mm. Um, we learn to feel the hurt if we hurt someone else, a sociopathic kid, for example, hurts someone else, but they blocked out their emotions so much that they don't actually make the connection between the hurt or they, or I I don't know if I understand it properly, but it's something like they understand the hurt, but it makes them feel good to hurt someone else because they were hurting. Mm. So it's like, uh, I hurt. So I hurt you kind of idea. I don't know. Something like that. But anyway, this is the reason why we need to, to not judge our emotions because otherwise we, we bring our, like, we bring ourselves down the road of becoming sociopathic. Like yeah. empathic is feeling all your emotions and all emotions are okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, I was just thinking about this in terms of like, um, like different dogs. <laughs> okay. Sure. I'll throw an analogy. Yeah, in I there. like it. Um, you know, lots of people have, uh, have a lot of fear around, uh, like pit bulls or Dobermans or mm. something like that. And, and th- I see that almost as like, you think of that as being like something like an emotion, like anger. Right. And we're there. The thing is, there's nothing inherently really dangerous about a pit bull or a Doberman or a Rottweiler or something. They're, completely fine, loving creatures. Um, but the thing is that they're, uh, those animals ability to do damage is greater than, you know, like a chihuahua sure, <laughs> or something else, right? Like they're there. And, and I remember hearing this, this argument being made, like it was in, like in the news when, like there is like all these people saying pit bulls should be on leashes at all times. Like people should need special permits to have them and this and that. And, and there were lots of people arguing saying this like, there's, this isn't a problem with 
with the dog. The dog's not the problem. The owner is the problem. Yeah. It's the person who takes care of the dog, who's teaching it to be something, to be aggressive. That's making it this way. Right. Right. And I kind of see it almost in, in some respects that way. If, well, if you know, it's, it's interesting thing because I agree with you. I, I don't think it's the Doberman, the Rottweiler, the Pitbull's fault, but the, the, the reason why we need to have laws against these dogs are because sociopathic people can buy a dog like that. Yeah. I mean, and it, raise it, them it, in a certain way and we can't control it. We can't limit it. We can't direct it. We can't guide it. We can't help it. And, and here's the other thing you know, a person who's like, yeah, I don't care if my fucking dog bites you. Like it was your fault. That person, when they talk like that, they lack empathy. They lack an idea that like, Hey, my dog could hurt someone. I want to be careful of that. Like, here's the thing. If you're actually empathic, you, you would actually go, you know what? I want to make sure that my dog would never hurt anybody, you know, but like the, unfortunately the dog takes the rap, but it's like people, are the problem. It's like that saying is like, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Yeah. You know, like a gun doesn't go off on its own. Mm-hmm. Someone pulls the trigger. Someone points it. Someone uses it. And like, you know, you take this even further, you start going, well, we can't have guns. We can't have knives. We can't have whatever. I'm not saying everybody should have a gun. I don't I actually, I, I, it's not even the argument I'm saying, but the whole argument that guns in and of themselves are bad or pit bulls or Rottweilers are in and of themselves bad is totally bogus. Yeah. That's not true, but we need to deal with the societal issues that we have. And, and it comes down to emotion. Well, Where does this shit come yeah. from? You but know? I was going to say like to, to add on to that analogy of like, yeah, you throw it, you can do guns, the same thing. The, the issue is to me is in honoring and respecting them. Right you have to honor and respect the pit bull. You have to honor and respect, you know, the firearm, right? You have to honor and respect these things. And only once you've done those things truly and genuinely, are they, do they no longer really present the same destructive power as when you don't have respect for them, right? Either through neglect and ignorance or through, um, using it in a certain, in a certain way, right. In, in channeling its use and its energy into doing something destructive, right. But it doesn't necessarily have to do any of those things. Well, I'll give you a good, I'll give you a good example. If, if you have a bunch of kids playing together, right. And, and I, I, I agree with you. Um, if you have a bunch of kids together and they're going to play and they're going to be rambunctious together. And you're going to kind of like let them kind of run free in the rec room or the basement or whatever it is. Right. Are you going to give them all knives to play with a bunch of little five, six year olds can all just have your knives and go go play, go do what you want. Yeah. Someone's going to get hurt. Probably, probably pretty likely. Yeah. Cause they're not going to realize what those things can do and they're not going to be mindful. And the thing is, is so you give them maybe you give them spongy swords or something they can play with fine. They can still maybe get hurt, but for the most part, you know, it's protected, right? This is the thing is like society has to treat people like they're five-year-olds because we live in a place where 
we, we don't have enough personal guidance and awareness to recognize the damage we can do with mm. what we were given. I see. And so the, the, the whole thing about like, I personally like firearms. I personally, I want full freedom. I want to be able to have any gun that I want. I want to, I, I don't necessarily own guns, but I want to be able to have them. If I want one, I want to be able to have it. I, I personally would like that freedom. I'd yeah. like to be able to drive a car. I don't want to be restricted. I'd like to be able to do what I want to do, go where I want to go. The The reason why we we need to have certain regulations and I, and things around is not so that everybody can be cut off, but so that there is a little bit more mindfulness about how we give and allow tools. They're a privilege. I remember when I was in preschool, I had a dream that I was walking, like just as a little kid, I was four years old because I was never allowed to hold a knife right? Mm-hmm. Three, four years old. I'm glad my parents didn't let me hold a knife. I mean, you know, but I remember having a dream is like, I can't wait till I'm an adult. I remember dreaming I was an adult and getting to hold a knife, just getting to hold it. Yeah. Cause I just wanted to have the ability to hold it. Um, but if we started treating ourselves in a way of, we go, would I be mindful with this? Do we have a way of, of being, you know, checking in with going like, you know, have I earned the right to be able to have this type of thing? I mean, if you have a child that goes, give me the knife, give me the knife. It's like, I'm not going to give you the knife just because you're complaining about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a certain, like, I know, um, you know, some of my cousins, they grew up in like hundred mile. They grew up in like, basically like, you know, out in the middle of the woods. Right. So like they were allowed to have ATVs and, and motorbikes, and they were allowed to shoot off guns at a very early age but they lived in an environment where there was freedom and openness and an availability to do that. And kind of a, you know, and so they were in an environment where that could be a little more accessible. Um, I lived in an environment which was like more like the suburbs. And I know some kids who are lived in the city when you're in an area where you don't necessarily get, um, where there's a little more chaos, where there's not as much, you know, openness, um, you might not get the same access to things. And that's just part of how this is. You know, mm-hmm. I think the thing is, is like the, the, the we're getting into this talk, but I, I my, my point is crazy that, corner <laughs> a, little know, a little, yeah. But I, I just want to talk about how, like, it's, you know, let's just look at society and look at ourselves. I mean, society is, is guiding us a certain way. I mean, and, um, just because you want something doesn't mean you should have it. But I don't think that everybody should suffer because someone else messed up. It's like saying, okay, well, my three-year-old son cut himself with a knife. So now my 18-year-old son is not allowed to hold a knife. That's bullshit. Yeah. Your 18-year-old son unless there's some kind of issue there is going to be a lot more experienced, a lot more mindful to be able to hold the the knife than the three-year-old. But some of us are 40 years old and we act like three-year-olds. And some of us are 20 years old and we act like 60 year olds. It's, it's not like we live in a society that, that doesn't necessarily, um, allow, uh, uh, a certain amount of earning, it's kind of an entitlement. So mm-hmm. people go like, like here, here's, here's a fucked up thing. And this was said on one of the comedy specials that was on Netflix. It's like, you can have sex on camera at 18 in America, but you can't drink until you're 21. Yeah. That is 
fucked right up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, so, I've heard that one too, where it's like, you can, you can vote, you can join the army and go to fight a war. You can go and kill somebody in a war before, before you, can, you can drink. Right. So, you know, so like we, we, we have these unchecked things and this kind of comes back to our judgment thing. We just, we're unchecked around emotions. You know, if we started being more in reality, like this talk is about emotions, we would start to see, I mean, you know, if a, if a spouse gets killed, the first person they look to is their partner. Why? Mm. Emotionally driven. They assume most, most, most murders are emotionally driven. Well, that person didn't, wasn't probably in touch with their emotions. I could pretty much guarantee that 99.9% of those cases, that person was repressed, not in touch with their emotions. Mm. Or if they were beginning to be emotional, they were only showing warning signs of unchecked shit. You know what I'm saying? If we allowed, if people were allowed to feel if all emotions were okay, and we didn't attribute action to emotions, like I did say energy in motion, but it is energy in motion. It doesn't mean you have to do something with it. Sometimes I feel angry. It doesn't mean I go punch out the person on the street, Yeah. but I do. I might feel the urge to do it, but I don't necessarily have to do it, but I just need to acknowledge the fact that I want to punch them in the head. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that, like that's the thing is like, I, I, I feel an aggression, yeah. but I don't necessarily have to act on my aggression. Yes. But we live in a society that suppresses you where you feel like the only way you can get out it is to be aggressive or to flip out or to get all upset or yeah. yell at someone or something. Right. But you bottle it up. I mean, that's the other thing too, is I think a lot of people don't realize that emotion when you let it out in little bits is not nearly as intense as when you bottle it up and let it all out at once. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like when you hear those stories of like when somebody just goes off, goes off the rails, man, like they just go off the handle and you know, they shoot someplace up or whatever. And, and there's always those like people in the interviews say like, I, I don't understand. They seemed like they were so, you know, they seem so, so friendly. So like level headed. it's just like, that's a shit ton of emotions that got repressed. Yeah. A shit ton. You know, that somebody, they just like, they slipped through the cracks. They never learned how to deal with a certain level of certain kinds of emotions, Mm -hmm. right? They never learned how to let it have its place in a, in a functional and healthy way. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've been talking about, man. It's just emotions, all of them. Just all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta, you, you know, you gotta allow yourself to feel and, and whatever you feel is okay. And you're going to have emotions that are going to direct like a way you want to go and they can drive you. But some, but that's why you got to have belief and faith so that you don't drive yourself to go shoot, shoot up a place or go beat someone up or go do something destructive. I mean, if you have belief and faith in the future, like then you can use something like anger or sadness to get you closer to your dreams. You, you, you know, if you don't believe in your future, I mean, that's why someone would do destructive things. I mean, I think of someone who like these shootings, I mean, that person has lost faith in belief. You know, they've, they've lost their sense of, or they've misdirected their sense of faith and belief, you know? And, um, I mean, here's the thing you, maybe you have faith and belief, but if you're not allowed to feel, 
you're going to pretty quickly figure out you can't get there and that's going to hurt. So now you're not allowed to, to express, maybe you do feel, maybe you do hurt, but you, you have to hide it. So you're not allowed to express. So emote to have energy and motion. So you're going to quickly realize that you'll never get to your dreams. So then you're going to get pretty quickly, not believe and not have faith anymore. So eventually you don't believe and you don't have faith and you killed that off, but the emotions and the feelings don't go away. So what do you do? You drink, you do, you repress, you do whatever you're going to do. And then eventually maybe you can't contain it. And then, so you let it out in some crazy action like that. Um, you know, and so I think like the first step really is just to, you know, and I, have been saying this to, to all my clients is just breathe, just breathe right into your guts. Just go and just do that a few times and then just feel, just feel in your body. You know, you're going to start feeling your limbs. You're going to start feeling your fingertips. You're going to start feeling things you haven't been feeling. And then from there, just go, what is the emotion? What, what is the emotion? Is it, you know, when you said this earlier, label them, it's like, is it, is it anger? Is it sadness? Is it happiness? Whatever it is. And then use that to bring yourself somewhere. Where do you want to go? So use your mind. Where do you want to go? Yeah. And, 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 and then, you know, if you start looking at life, if you, if you do believe that, that feeling and energy can get you where you want to go, then just believe where you want to go. Like be and live as though that will be so. And, and use your emotion to help you be and live that way. And you know what, if you do it long enough, you're going to start to get closer. You're going to start to go, Oh yeah, this is actually kind of working out. Yeah. Um, and it might not look the way you think it's going to look, but that's okay. Be open to that. You know, you don't like, it's like they said, you know, in the workshop too, is like, you got to lower your expectations a little bit, yeah. like expectations of when it must be. It might be greater than you think, but your expectations are not, they're not necessarily helpful, you mm-hmm. know, and your judgments aren't necessarily helpful and your standards, um, you know, of yourself are somewhat unreasonable, Yeah, you know? So, yeah, I, I think it just, and that helps us be in reality. Yeah. Yeah. Were those your closing comments? I they guess almost, so. They almost sounded like closing comments. Cause that well was be. like, that's like a lovely recap. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. that. I'll, I'll just have those be my closing. But what do you <laughs> want to say? What's your final notes? Um, you know, yeah, it's like this for me is this thing of like, don't, of, of don't judge your emotions. You know, like just, just don't judge them. Let them, let them be They're They're, teachers. They're there. They're all there to help you. And they're all there to be part of the enriching experience of, of living. Yeah. You know, they're all part of it. They're all part of it. And, and to judge one as being lesser or greater than, um, is, is, is not doing you any, any favors you know, it's like, you're going, you're going to experience lots of things and, and, and it might be uncomfortable at first because we're not, we're not used to this sort of way of looking at our emotions, but it's way easier to let them move through you than to bottle them up. Hmm. It's way easier to, and and it, it might take some time it might take some time and it might not seem like it's an easier thing to do, but the more you bottle things up, the more you bottle things up, 
the more difficult your life just suddenly starts to become. Everything just starts to become so hard all of a sudden. And it's just like, yeah, you're just, you're like, you're, you're so fucking wound up. Cause like, you've just got all of this, all of this anger that's like on top of all of this hurt that's on top of all of this fear. You know, that's just like that. You've just been like, no, I don't see you. I don't see you. Like if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. Right. It's like, no, it's happened because it's like, it's in you. You can't fool yourself on this shit. You can't like when you feel things, you feel it. Mm -hmm. Even if you, if you bury it so quickly, even if you ignore it so quickly, it still happens to you. You still feel that twinge, that tinge of this shit, Mm. you know, roll through you. And, uh, and so let it roll through you and it's not going to make you a bad person. That's the other thing I think I'll maybe leave it on. So it's like, that doesn't make, it doesn't make you getting angry. Doesn't make you a bad person. Being sad doesn't make you a weak person. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it, it doesn't make you any of those things let them roll through you. Cause like it can be so invigorating to just let the emotions move through you Yeah, to be able to just like, like, I don't know, like you're angry. Like, and you feel that anger, grab that, you know, that pillow and just scream into it. Like as loud as you fucking can clench your fists and just like, like let it out or just let the tears come. Let them just like overtake you and just like sob. And then feel like you're 50 fucking pounds lighter after it's happened, you know? And there's, there's a weird joy in having a good cry sometimes. You know what I mean? It's cathartic. It's just so cathartic. You're just like, Oh my God. Because to me, it's like, there's still always this connection to love with all of it. Even in our sorrow, there's like this weird love Mm. that's behind all of it, you know? let it move through you. It's not as bad as you think it is. <laughs> Nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. Love bad stuff's going to happen when you're, when you're, when you're not giving it, letting it have a place when you, when you don't let it have a room in the house of your life. <laughs> I <Yeah>. fucking <laughs> can't believe <laughs> I just, I can't believe I just said that shit, yeah, but funny. there you go. There it is. I'm just going to leave it be. All right. Well, okay. So I, I, I just want to say, cause based on what you were saying there is, um, you have three options in my opinion, you can express, which is the healthiest option. And that doesn't mean you have to express your emotions to everybody else or anybody else. You can literally do it at home to your cat, um, or just in your pillow or whatever, just, but just get some energy out, you know, uh, I had a turning point in my life where I would just grab my steering wheel, you know, I'd be in my car and I, you know, whatever alone or something. And I would just go and I grab as hard as I can. And I just let it, the emotion and the anger. And I felt amazingly better. Yeah. Um, you know, grab a pillow, scream at a pillow. Um, I, I, uh, sit on the edge of my, I'd sit on the edge of my bathtub or the edge of my, um, uh, my bed. And I would just put my hands in a motion of like crying and I would just lean down and I would, and that helped me the physicalization of just allowing mm. myself to, to, to get it, to cry it out. Um, and that extremely helped because you have basically, you can express or you can repress and depress. So express is the healthy option. Repress 
is dangerous and depression sucks as everyone knows it. It's just, it's not good. I mean, it creates a toxicity in you. So really just think about it. You're doing one of three options. Just ask yourself, am I expressing, repressing or depressing? And, um, you repress too much. You're going to get depressed. Yeah. So start to express, you know, it's really that simple. I think, and and to express and you go, I can't tap into my emotions, breathe, breathe down to your guts and you will access your feelings. And through that, you will be able to express. Yeah. That's my uh, final note, Evan. That's good practical advice. I like it. Gotta give some practical advice. Yeah. Every now and then. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.